Welcome to the Education Game. My name is Matt Barnes, and this episode is sponsored by our friends at Community Health Choice. And today we've got some great conversation. If there's ever been a podcast that we've put out so far that I just so hope that parents digest, share with their friends, uh, talk about, it's this one. You'll hear an interview uh, that I had with a woman named Kelly who was struggling with what to do with coronavirus, like everyone else, right? How am I going to make sure my child is learning during this weird coronavirus season? Well, she called and asked for help, which is one of the things that Dr. Scott and I offer. We just offer help. We offer a conversation because we've talked to so many parents. We have ideas that have come largely from parents who are contributing to our understanding of what might work and what might not work. But, you know, for every parent who is wondering how to structure home learning, this is the show to study. Kelly's trying to figure out how to instill or to reignite or ignite a sense of curiosity and exploration in her 10-year-old son. And since that conversation with Kelly, I have started to see a pattern emerge. And essentially, there's, there's three types of parents who call us for help, and I label these groups of parents as group A, B, and C. So let me explain what, the, what I mean by that. Group A parents are parents like Kelly. They realize that the education game has changed with coronavirus. They realize that it's going to never be the same. Now that these opportunities or flexibility of learning and learning remotely are opening up, people are starting to say, wow, this, is, this may actually be better. So group A parents are starting to lean in to this virtual education. And they like it. And many of them do not want to go back to the old model of education uh, because the old model wasn't working so well for them or their kids or their lifestyle, whatever it may be. That's group A parents. Then you've got on the other extreme, group C parents, and they are clamoring for the school to start back as it was. Uh, Either their kids were really successful in the old model and they want to get back to that or their kids uh, or their lives were so challenging that really can't they can't operate in this virtual environment. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying there's a pattern showing up here. But then the group that actually gets me most excited is group B. And there's an army of group B parents out there. These are parents that are kind of on the fence. They're not sure how they want to proceed, but they know that they're in the middle of a dramatic change. And with these parents, with a short conversation, they start to realize that with some minor tweaks to how they operate, their kids can go from being fairly disengaged in their child in their education to being fairly excited about learning and becoming an independent lifelong learner, which is what Dr. Scott and I are all about, helping families teach their children how to become independent lifelong learners. And this is the fun part, because once parents and kids get excited about playing the new education game, they do not want to go back to the old model. And that, to me, is the best opportunity for education in 130 years. That really gets me jazzed up. It should get all of us jazzed up. I just had a, uh, a webinar today. It's actually a two-part webinar with Change Happens, which is a is a fantastic nonprofit here in Houston. And uh, we had 25 parents on the line. Most were parents kind of in the A and B category, parents who some were already realizing the benefits of, of learning remotely. Uh, their kids were now able to explore more. They had much more freedom of time. The parents didn't have the logistical challenges of getting kids to and from uh, kids got a lot more sleep, all these all these benefits that they're seeing already. 
And what we talked about was how do you lead your child differently in this environment? How do you develop new sets of goals and standards for your own child and your own household? And how do you create a plan, a learning plan that fits with you, your child, and the places that you want your child to go? It's a, it was a fantastic conversation. And it was another reminder that every parent wants the exact same thing for their kids, every single one. And under this new educational model, they're trying to figure out how to do it. So every parent I talk to, though, wants so much more for their kids, but don't they don't believe that breakthrough learning is possible. And I'm here to tell you that it is. And I want you to hear this interview we're going to have in just a couple minutes because breakthrough learning will not happen, folks, unless parents ask tougher questions of their school and, most importantly, of themselves. And so, parents, if you know, for those of you who are listening to this, the five of you who are listening to this show right now, if you don't have a learning plan for your kids, a plan that you have determined in partnership maybe with the school, but where you have decided here where here's where I want my child to be in three months and six months, here are the things that we're going to work on, not just at school, but at home, then you are trusting a system that is chronically underperforms. If you don't have a plan, then you're sending your child to a hospital that has terrible outcomes and convincing yourself that somehow your child's going to be the exception to the rule. And again, I can already hear the the comments, right? Matt, the teachers are working as hard as they can. That is entirely true. I, I am not indicting the heroic, heroic teachers who are quite literally on the front lines right now. This is an indictment of a system that we have come to rely on that has unchanged, that has been unchanged for 100 years. A system that is top down, it's led principally by politicians. Well, heck, right there, that should be enough to tell us we got a big problem on our hands. But it's so rigid that parents, most parents feel powerless to complain or advocate for their child because they never feel like they're heard. There's policies that are set up in the state house, in the federal government, you know, in the local administration, the school board, whatever it may be, policies that cause the parent's voice to be unheard. And that's over the ten, last 10 years I've been coaching parents. That's the most common complaint that parents say, why bother? No one's going to listen to me. But parents haven't yet grasped the reality that because they're in this now new position, that they have a place to negotiate a different experience for their child. And that is why parents are calling us. They're trying to figure out what they should do. And we're trying to help them realize that they've got options, many more options than they've ever had from online instruction to negotiating a completely different relationship with the school now that the child is at their home, to asking the child, what are you curious about, son or daughter? What do you want to learn about? Let's go that in that direction instead of the state-sponsored, state-directed, standardized approach. And now I'm going to foretell the future. I'm going to foretell a time when parents are going to say that this new model works better for their kids. They're learning more. They're more engaged. Um, this, this is working. So why would we ever go back to the old model? And the old system is going to fight them on it. The old system is going to say, school is back in session as normal, and you've got to get with the program, parents. That battle is coming, y'all. So on that happy note, <laughs> this is The Education Game. Back in a moment.
Okay, we have Kelly on the on the line calling from Chicago. Kelly, how can I help you today? Yeah, so I was calling because um, we're, we're getting prepared for our um, starting our remote learning uh, for this year. And oh, yeah, I am, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a doozy. I just wanted to find out one, we are, we are very intrigued from the, um, about homeschooling or some type of hybrid of it, if possible, if it mm. at all, but um, we are intrigued with that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, we have one, we have another family with us. Who is working with us um, uh, so we can alternate uh, alternate school time mm-hmm. with our children, mm-hmm. and they're also open to it. So we're just trying to get information. They weren't able to uh, be on this call, but I thought I could transfer this information back to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm getting these calls a lot. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of folks that are are just really, really not sure that this is going to work, and even some of the schools that have started already. You know, week one, week two were were just quite a mess. So these calls are actually accelerating. So Kelly, I need you to give me a little bit of information about yourself so I know how to kind of approach this. My child is 10 and he's uh, a emerging uh, fifth grader. And then my friend, uh, she also has a 10 year old also going into fifth grade. You're in school together. So these are friends already? Yes. Uh, actually, in uh, in the same town uh, and okay. two different schools, but it's the same it. school system. So I will tell you, I had a conversation yesterday with a um, a parent who was um, kind of suffering in silence and and saying, "Gosh, this is just not working." So that's the environment of of this parent yesterday. Um, he talked about how his daughter was in a school; they were not following any of the procedures around um, social distancing. Uh, no one was wearing masks. Kit, the tables or the chairs were, were you know, were two or three yeah. feet apart. And this is a family who lost their grandfather to coronavirus back in, in March or April. And so it's very, very sensitive. And, and he's not gotten good responses from his leadership. So he called and said, you know, what do I do? What am I thinking about? And I said, have you talked to any of, of your friends or your kids' friends' parents to get a sense of, you know, are, are other people uncomfortable about this? And he said, no. And my, my, my pushback to him was, you got to check it out because I'll be willing to bet there's other parents who are struggling with the same questions. And if the two of you can kind of connect or more, there may be more than two, then you can create these opportunities to, you know, you have more options, more flexibility. So that's great okay. that you've explored this. Um, let me ask you to go further. Like, is it just this mm-hmm. other family that you have explored this with or, or have you asked this more generally of other kids and families? No, just this, fa- this family. I, I reached- we thought about um, bringing in other people, but our concern about is because of COVID. Yeah. Um, and we live in a small, and just so you know, we live in a very small apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of hard. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, difficult for a lot of other people. Yeah. Got it. Got it. I understood. Okay. So, and then tell me again about your, your so you told me about the, your child's age, both in fifth grade. That's really great alignment. What about the... Um, your flexibility, your, your time flexibility to, you know, provide kind of oversight for something like this. Yeah, this is, I'm glad you said that because I'm like, I don't know if it's possible to do this when you're working. We both, Mm -hmm. so my husband and I, we both work at home Mm -hmm. and my friend, uh, her husband is, um, he's a, uh, a nurse. So Mm he's, he's in the, he's in the trenches. Uh, and then she can, and she works from home. So, um, uh, we have I have a little bit of flexibility. I'm the primary right now. Um, my yeah. husband doesn't have as much flexibility because he's yeah. consistently on the phone. Yeah. But um, I I decided to be the primary person to Got help it. out. 
um, it is. Okay. Well, I think the, the, the key part about this is creating a structure that actually can align with the time flexibility and the time availability that you would have. Now, again, as I've mentioned to many folks, I don't care about the model of education that you choose. I want the parent, though, to make that decision. Um, and so, you know, here, I'm, the advice I'm giving you now is really to help you answer the question you call for, not anything other than how to help you, right. you know, work for your kid. So, um, so can you create a schedule where there is, uh, you know, alignment where you know that, you know, say from eight till nine thirty, you have that time protected and that time is going to be something where you will then, you know, work with the kids around something specifically that's going to require your attention. Um, it doesn't, by the way, have to be seven hours of scheduling where, you know, where some yes. adult is, is right <laughs> next to the child during that time. That's, right. that's a common misunderstanding because what we're trying to do is build independent learners and independent learners will check in with you every 30 minutes, every hour, depending on the age and, and, and preparation of the child. But you do not and should not have the perspective that you're going to stand over that child or hover or stand at the front of the classroom for seven hours of the day, right? That's, that's the difference. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but the schedule does need to need to have some combination of what I call, um, these are like the four kind of parts of, uh, of home learning. So the first is couch time. And this is time that you okay. spend, uh, you know, sitting on a couch. This is usually reading. This is usually dialogue, um, things like that, right? Then you have table time. Table time is when it's usually math or writing where you need to have a firm surface. Um, you, again, may have, you may need to pay, play some role in being with the child during some of those activities. Then you've got mm -hmm. uh, uh, carpet time or floor time when, you know, the kid is coloring or drawing or doing something creative or building. Uh, and then you got the fourth one, which is um, park time or yard time or uh, you know, yeah. doing something outside, exercising, et cetera. So those are the four pieces. Your, if you think about your role, your role would be to launch one or more of these pieces. So kids, we're going to sit down with the exception of reading. I'll, I'll talk about reading in a second, but let's say it's math. Okay, kids, mm -hmm. the next 30 minutes, here is the math assignment. Uh, here is how you learn it. And uh, come to me with questions in 30 minutes. Any question you have, come to me in 30 minutes. Now, the reason I say come to me in 30 minutes is because oftentimes kids have been trained to the minute they run into a problem to go and immediately get help from someone else. And what we're trying to do is build an independent learner, which means when they get stuck, they start to figure out ways to get unstuck themselves. That could include partnering up with the, uh, with the other learner hey, how did you do this? And help me understand how you did this. Or are you having a trouble or same similar problems with question number four, right? Those are all problem solving skills that in the adult life, that's what happens. You get run into a problem. You don't go to your boss and ask them every problem. You have to figure it out, right? And when you get <laughs> really stuck, when you're really stuck. Yeah. Then, when, you know, when you're really stuck, you don't know how to proceed. Then you go and say, you know, hey, I need some help. So that's mm. what we're trying to train. Be, don't be surprised if your kids struggle with that change, right? But you'll need to be clear with and, them, hey, in 30 minutes, that's when you come back to me. Does that make and sense? this is within the 8 to 9, yeah, this is within an 8 to 9.30 a.m. protected well, part you're talking about? It really yeah, depends. 
it depends on your schedule. So let's say that you are taking phone calls between 8 and 8.30. Let's say you can get off the line at 8.30 or you have some availability at 8.30. You can assign them this responsibility the night before. Um, but yeah. they just need to know at 8.30 is when they can come and check with, check in with you about questions. Does that make sense? So oh, yeah, you, definitely. Yeah. So it's, think of it like this. So we start, let's say this is, uh, you know, I use a lot of uh, sports metaphor. Uh, so this, this is, if this is practice, <laughs> you can tell your player, hey, um, I need you to go out and warm up, uh, throw the ball yeah. back and forth, and then we're going to have some one-on-one, you know, check-ins about how you're throwing it at 8.30 or at 9.30 at a specific time. The point is, and this is a huge point, that you, I don't want you to feel like you have to hover. Yes, you're working. Yes. Your child is, you. is 10 years old. He has to begin learning how to handle these responsibilities himself. And, that, himself. and that's really the bonus of learning in the environment you're describing. So, but, but, but to be really intentional about that is what I'm, I'm really getting at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you have enough flexibility where you can create that kind of structure where, you know, at nine o'clock we'll check in uh, for 10 minutes on, you know, math. And then at, uh, at 10 o'clock we'll check in uh, on your problems and the questions you have. And I'll spend, I'll have 15 minutes to, you know, talk through uh, questions and problems. And I expect that, you know, a good chunk of this assignment will be completed by that point. Um, and then when assignment is completed, then you guys can go outside and play. Right. I mean, so you yeah. just scheduled them for an hour and a half, maybe, but you only spent mm-hmm. 15 or 20 minutes, 30 minutes at the most um, in the training and the development of them. I mean, this is that's a hard, much harder thing to do if you have a four year old, but you got a 10 year old and that 10 year old is is rapidly becoming a young man. And so we need to I would argue we need to, you know, increase the level of expectation about, about the things that he's able to do on his own. So mm-hmm, with all this, mm-hmm. all this to say is if you feel like you can create that kind of structure throughout a day where, you know, again, you're, you're touching base, you're spending some time, you're teaching them essentially how to learn on their own, then yeah, you can make it work in my view. Oh, oh yeah. And I, I agree. I, that's what made, that's what draw me, drew me into the work you're doing. I feel like, I feel like it is possible. I just get a little, I'm just a little nervous, but we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, and that's normal. And we'll make it. You're feeling that you're giving up thing that's stable and secure, which you are. And that is mm-hmm, the typical mm-hmm. school structure. Can I need to pause for a quick station break? We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about what you're giving up, but what you're getting as well. Stay tuned. Okay. Hey, we're back with the education game. Talking to Kelly, who's in Chicago. She's got a uh, 10-year-old who is, you know, now she's exploring, Kelly's exploring, figuring out if it makes sense to try a different learning model for her 10-year-old. She has a friend who's 10-year-old. They, you know, they may work in, work together in a homeschool structure or a learning pod or whatever. We haven't really gotten to some of the details about that. But as we concluded the last segment, uh, Kelly was expressing some of her kind of nervousness and, you know, a little anxiety. And I was sharing how normal that is. And again, the first part of that anxiety is the recognition that you're giving up something that's stable. And that is a traditional educational structure. Uh, Frankly, nothing is traditional right now because everything is thrown up in the air with coronavirus. But what you're getting, (laughs) what you're getting is the part that I want you to really, really focus on. 
what you're getting is the opportunity to retrain your child to be an independent learner. That is a huge, huge benefit. Yes, definitely. If you think of it in those terms, then the anxiety is still there, but now you're really saying, okay, what do I need to do today to help my child become an independent learner and to be patient because it's going to take him a few weeks to actually start to realize that he doesn't need to run to you or an instructor every time they run into a challenge. They can actually work through things together. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Now, I just, I'm always curious too, when you said the, um, the part about um, the independent learner, like understanding it. Is it, I think my only concern also is like going really quickly, like he gets the material, but then he likes to finish it quickly. Is that a bad thing? That's a great question. Um, what happens, if I can paraphrase, what happens if he has an assignment that you think might take a half an hour, but he finishes in 10 minutes? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so there's, um, there's a couple things on that. So um, one when a child has been raised up in an educational structure where, uh, you know, every day they have one hour to do math, um, they can stretch out any work for an hour or heck they can stretch out a lot of work for multiple days if necessary. If the, if the pace of movement is slow, part of what you're going to start to see is what your child is capable of doing. And again, don't, don't be surprised if it takes a little time to, to start to see it, but, if he's able to complete an assignment in 10 minutes, uh, but you thought it should be 30 or 45, you should just, you should give him the freedom after he's done to do whatever you had agreed upon, but you should start also thinking about in the future, okay, maybe I need to ratchet up a little bit of this challenge level. Maybe the stuff is a little too mm. easy for him, right? And that's mm. where when you're, when you're educating uh, in, in a, a low, you know, student teacher ratio or student learning coach ratio, uh, you can go a lot faster because you're going to see this child is actually accelerating. Oh my goodness. Let me go ahead and add a little more challenge. See how he goes. There's this, I don't know if you participated in one of the webinars that we had that talked about part of the reasons that kids disengage from education. And I put this graph that was called the, like the challenge graph. This challenge graph is, you can imagine uh, every child and every subject, um, there's a certain pace of learning that is ideal for them. It's not too hard. It's not too soft. It's kind of like the Goldilocks learning path. Um, but when a child starts to hit up against uh, educational progress or uh, a pace of learning that is beyond his ability, it, that leads to frustration and then ultimately to disengagement. Because yeah. no kid wants to can, every day have something that's so hard that they just can't get their head around it. And every day it's just discouraging over time. Now, the other problem, though, is the reverse, which is every day they come and they're learning, but it's so it's, it's not challenging at all. They eventually will get bored and will start to disengage in that regard. So your job as a parent or as a learning coach is to say, OK, this child's now able to go a little faster. So let me just increase the challenge level until I start to see uh, frustration and then I'll back off a little bit. But when I see boredom, yeah. I'm going to increase it a little bit more. Right. This is what we do in sports all the time, right? You got a standout player and you move him up to varsity when he's a freshman because he can handle it. Um, that is what we're talking about here for, for, your, for your kids. But it'll require you to pay closer attention on what they're doing, how well they're doing it. I mean, I think there's another issue here, which is he might get it done in 10 minutes, but most of the problems might be wrong, right? 
So he's speeding through something and not being deliberate enough uh, to make sure he's, mm-hmm. he does it with, with accuracy and excellence. And so now your coaching to him is, okay, we're going to slow down. Even if you finish in 10 minutes, you're going to still sit here at the table because I want you to double check your assignment. And before you go out to play, I'm going to check it or, or I'm going to have you check it. And then everyone you missed, you got to do it again before you got to play. So now you're trying to retrain that idea that I'm just going to rush through this, get it done so I can go out and play to I'm going to get mm-hmm. it done well, and then I'll be able to do the things that I want to do. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, and, then if, but, and then the other thing, too, is that um, if, I think my, my another anxiety is not knowing the material very well. So if they're saying I need more help uh, in this yeah. particular area, mom, how does that, I mean, that is, that's probably one of my other concerns. Yeah. That's, but we that's, are, yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, I don't know your educational background. You seem like you are very bright. I'd be willing to bet that, um, you know, anything that he faces in fifth grade within, you know, 15 minutes of reading it or looking at it, you could figure it out. Um, it depends some of the, some of the curriculum. I mean, I think more of the technical spaces like math might be a, an area where you would have more anxiety about yeah. that reading. Yes, definitely. Writing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but again, I mean, depending yeah. on the curriculum, curriculum you choose, most curricula that is aimed at a homeschooling population has a lot of instruction embedded within the curriculum, right? So for, for our kids, when we were doing, um, well, we actually did math on our own because our kids, once we saw that our kids could accelerate and do, you know, go, go almost twice as fast as the school, we, we petitioned the school and said, listen, just give us the test each year and our, our child will test out. And then that gives us the freedom for us to, to lead our own math instruction. And so that's kind of how we did it. Awesome. But, but we use uh, Saxon math, which mm-hmm. has a lot of instruction. So if they get stuck, there's, you know, there's information about, hey, this problem was covered in, in chapter 12. So go back to chapter 12 and take a look and re- refresh yourself. Um, so, yeah, so those are things that it may require a little bit of, uh, you know, study on your part, but it's not, we're not talking right. about hours and hours a day of study. We're talking about, all right, that's a concept that I forgot. You refresh yourself, takes you 20 minutes. Oh, okay, son, here, here's, or better yet, son, I need you to go back to chapter 12. I need you to read chapter 12. I need you to practice the example pro- uh, uh, problems and then come back to me if you haven't figured it out again. And then okay. that's when you okay. engage and say, all right, well, you can't figure this out. Let's do it together and let's see what's happening, right? So again, you're not coming to solve the problem. You're going to help him learn how to solve his own problem. So doing the problem together, having him do it in front of you and going, oh, you just forgot to carry the one, son, right? You know, something simple like that uh, could be what, what uh, trips him up. And that's a great learning yeah. form, right? No, definitely. And I, and I also appreciate it. I think one of the other reasons, what again, that drew me to this is that one, you talked about the character building mm. uh, you, and then also, you know, obviously the independent learner yeah. uh, because, uh, and then just the, the curiosity of it, like having a child that's curious, mm-hmm. See, like those are the things that's going to help them to become a really good student. And he embeds, he has those, you know, he has that, um, but I want to obviously you know, build on to that. But I feel like when you said that, I was kind of like, Dean, that was like, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is what's important. And yeah. not so much about the grades. 
Yeah, I tell you, there's a. I'm going to be releasing a blog post in the next couple of weeks about grades. Um, but you know, if he's already, if you're seeing curiosity in him already, then here's the structure that I might suggest you explore and and talk to your friends, parents, or your friend as well about this. But um, most homeschooling kids and families that I've interacted with, they're they're usually done with the straight academic part of their work by noon. And so for a 10 year old, it yeah, may be 1130, 11 o'clock, something like that, like, you know, an hour of, of real diligent math work, uh, an hour of reading, uh, maybe half hour of writing, um, you know, an hour, something like that, right, that that creates a, a lot of, of forward progress. So then what you're left with is an afternoon that can be filled with discovery, building, exploration, uh, testing, experimentation. And that to me is actually part of maybe the second part of the conversation that we should have. Um, that to me is actually far more important than, you know, did they get the math problem right? Because a kid who is curious, uh, he's going to find a way to learn whatever he needs to learn, whether you tell him to not or not, right? Whether the teacher says you need to learn math or not, uh, he's going to figure it out. And there's a great book called Rocket Boys about uh, kid, you know, a few kids who got super excited, this is during the space race, with rocketry. And a child who struggled in algebra in, in school, once he got excited about rocketry, he realized that he, didn't, he needed to learn calculus in order to improve his rocketry. And so he did. And this is the point. When a child gets motivated internally, they can learn anything at any time. And so, yes, if your child's already curious, then we should have a conversation. Let's do that after the break about how do you expand their curiosity during this coronavirus break. We'll be back in a moment. This is The Education Game. Okay, we are back. Um, having a great conversation with Kelly. Kelly, who's exploring, looking at a different model of education this fall. We're working with uh, another parent who has a 10-year-old like Kelly has to maybe we'll look, look at, you know, building a learning pod together and or maybe straight homeschooling together. So that's the conversation. When we came off air last time, we were just about to get into, to me, the most fun conversation that a parent can have with their kid. And that is, child, what are you curious about? So let me ask you, Kelly, what is your 10-year-old curious about? Oh, about um, the ocean, space. Mm. Those are one of the main things. And then yeah. obviously, well, I should say dinosaurs. <laughs> dinosaurs still. Um, you said in dinosaurs? And then talk, yeah, in dinosaurs. Yeah. I think he's, talk, and he's also he's going into more about, because now we're in a serious climate about, you know, the COVID and political stuff that's going on. Mm. He is curious about that, which is really mm. interesting. And so we talk about that with him. Excellent. Yeah, I, 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 would, in, I would encourage you to to keep opening conversations around hard areas. Again, I, another conversation that I plan on writing a blog post about, but um, there are schools that are now getting sanctioned because they're having some of these um, challenging conversations and one parent on one side of the issue or another will complain and then the school won't have the conversation anymore. So yes, COVID, yes. Yeah, it's, it makes no sense. It's frustrating. Yes. It's very frustrating. So, so to me, the things that we should be talking about, uh, we don't like COVID, like um, uh, you know politics. Um, we like, talk about race, and we talk about race as yeah. well. 
Yeah, race, know. right. These are the things we should be talking about. But again, education is now so um, you know caught up in the political realities of the moment that teachers and administrators are afraid of offending, and so they don't go there. So that means, again, parents are going to need to step this up, which I think parents should have been doing all, all along. And so if you're having these conversations, to me, there's a great opportunity for deeper dives. So whether it's COVID, so, you know, COVID, that's a multi-year long study if you wanted to really go there. It's, it's involves, it involves healthcare, public health, it involves geography, politics, economics. I mean, you could unbundle uh, COVID and talk about that for months and months and months, just COVID, right? So right. if he's curious about it, I would encourage him to ask a question like uh, about COVID. Um, what's the economic impact of COVID? Tell me mm-hmm. that. You know, and, and, then like the, that. and now he's got to do the problem solving because like, how do I find that? What does it mean to have economic impact? What is economic? You know, what does it mean? What is economics? Right. And so if you put that to him as a challenge and say, OK, in this after after the morning kind of academic learning afternoon is projects and experimentation. Here's a project. Define how COVID is going to change the restaurant industry. Ooh, I'm writing that down. I like that one. Very well, good. Uh-huh. I just I just pulled it out of thin air. I mean, you could ask how it's going to change the healthcare well, I industry. In field, so it works out perfectly. <laughs> so oh, was that perfect? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's perfect. Then, yeah. So maybe stick there, um, and then he he will likely come back to you with some thin answers like, "Oh, it's you know less people will eat out." Now you challenge him. Give me more. Tell me more about that. How many less people? How do you know? Tell me about, you know, pick, pick your fast food. Is it all restaurants or is, you know, is McDonald's going to mm-hmm. suffer the same as the local mom and pop down the street? How do you know? And so the point is you're, you're challenging him with questions rather than telling him, here's the problem, the specific problem you're going to solve. Uh, and that's what curiosity actually is really about. He's now becoming okay. more curious as he's exploring the problems that you're, or the, the questions that you're throwing out to him. Um, okay. okay. Politics. I mean, we should absolutely be talking about politics. And here's a great one that I do with my kids, and it frustrates them all the time. I take the opposite position of what I feel, and I argue it, and I say, "No, I I think this," and I challenge them on it, and yeah. I challenge them to defend the reasons that they have, you know, a position. And nine times out of ten, they they're in, unable to do it, and that's the part that frustrates them. So then I challenge right. them. All right, if you're not able to defend that position then you can't really argue it. So now let's go ahead and explore how you could come to that position because I actually might agree with you, right? So these are the things that used to happen in school. They used to happen and they happen in, you know, in the university environment a bit more, but even there, there's getting some, there's some concerns about, you know, triggering people and things like that. But um, I would love, I would love for you as a parent to enter into that space and I'll be willing to bet that your son and your friend's son, and you'll need to confirm that your friend's son is, or your friend is comfortable with some of these same conversations, but I'll be willing to bet that those kids are going to be far more interested in what's happening in our civics and our politics. Um, They'll be much more curious about what's happening related to COVID short-term and long-term. So just pick your issue and start to challenge them. Or even another way to go is 
how would you solve COVID or how would you solve uh, the electoral divide that we have in our country? Right. Those are projects. True. He will yeah. tell me that he will talk about that. <laughs> really? Well, yes. So that's a project. Helpful. That's a project right there. Uh, and I'll add one more piece. And you do that in a writing, and you do that in a writing perspective, or more of a just debating, just like we just mentioned with your children, like just so have would, them verbally talk about it. Yes, this is where I was going to go. You, you actually want to create a little bit more structure. So, as an example, every Friday, you guys could have a one-page or even a half-page written. Um, you could just sign them a half-page written response to a question that you give them. This is what one of my kids' schools do one page or a half page, depending on the age of the child, um, response to a topical question. And so the question might be, how do we resolve the, polit the political divide that we have today? And then at the end, so on Friday at noon or at you know, dinner time or whatever, he is going to read that out loud and discuss it with two or three people on the Zoom call. Maybe it's your grandparent, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's you know, um, your pastor, uh, some just some different folks in the community where he now is presenting it to them. So that means it's going to elevate his, in, his sincerity and you know, his intentionality about it because he's presenting it to adults. Like and then their like job, that. their job is to then evaluate his answers and to challenge him gently because he's 10. Right. But, hey, did you ever think <laughs> about you think about X or what about Y? Boy, great point. I wonder how that might be perceived by, right? That's, that's the conversation that you would challenge or encourage uh, those other listeners to participate in. It would take them 20 minutes, 30 minutes at most. Um, it would, you know, you could change it every week to a different group. Um, or it could just be you and, and your friends uh, and your friend uh, that they would present it oh, to. Wow. Yeah. I like that idea a lot. I like the fact that you can bring in other family members or community people into the mix. Yeah. as a way of like providing some type of learning moment for the, you know, not only for the child, but maybe for them as well. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, no, it, it's a, it's a, it's a model that's again, none of, none of what you hear on this show are my ideas. I just steal from everybody and, and happily and do it happily. <laughs> um, but it's a model that some schools have adopted, but oftentimes it, it breaks down because it's just not enough. There's just, there's too many, kids and so the kids can't get individual feedback about what it is they're trying to do no i think this is really helpful i think with my school I mean, and maybe there's schools that do this but my school has it's been very very uh i think one of your your partners you talked about how corporate it feels very corporate mm. the way they're teaching meaning meaning that it's not there's not this 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 opportunity for parents to be involved as much yeah. community people to be involved in the learning. So I do appreciate this. Yeah. Well, again, there is no perfect school or no perfect model. What I'm suggesting is you, you are, you asked, uh, you said you're exploring the possibility of, of taking more leadership into your child's education. I a hundred percent endorse yeah. that. Um, and what you will find, whether you're in a homeschool structure or a traditional structure, there are some, challenges and limitations in both. Um, I'm talking, I want you to kind of really see the opportunities in change because right now, because of coronavirus, the traditional model just cannot, it just cannot work well. I've seen it. A uh, number of parents are calling and telling me this is just not working. What do I do? Um, it, it's, it's a breakdown. 
Um, so if you have this flexibility, there are opportunities for you to explore. And then, you know, once COVID is resolved, you can then decide whether or not you reinsert and deal with the negatives or you keep them in the model you're in and deal with those negatives, right? It's, but it's a choice and you'll need to make that and I'll be happy to help you with it. We need to start bringing this to a close. So Kelly, listen, thanks so much for your call. I, anytime a parent calls in and says, I have a question or can you help me? That tells other parents that they also can and must ask for help, especially in a time like this. Uh, no one should be suffering in silence. And so that's that's why we made up this show. I want to also thank Pottery Studios for our production. And of course, Community Health Choice, our friends and partners with this work. You can go to theeducationgame.com and find out more information about our show, our podcast, etc. My name is Matt Barnes. I look forward to speaking with you again very soon right here on The Education Game.